Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And today we are continuing our series on living the Ten Commandments in these day and age. And this idea that uh, even though these Ten Commandments were given to the Hebrew people so long ago, they are still not only relevant to this day and age, but also binding on us as, you know, children of God. Yeah, Megan, the one thing that really, really stands out to me, you know, oftentimes we talk about just trying to be simple people. And and Jesus even said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. If you love me, keep them. How well do we know them? I mean, while I can tell you that I know the commandments, have I really sat with them? And, and that's the reason we're doing this is really sat with them and get to know them on a, a deeper interior level. You know, I think you first, you're like, like the onion, you get the first mm. level of understanding and maybe there's a, a deeper level of understanding. So I'm, I'm really thankful that we're diving into this because I really do want to love him better. Right. And maybe if I can keep these commandments better and assimilate them deeper and more lovingly, I can serve him better. Yeah, the the thing that comes to mind right now is Psalm 119, which is actually the longest psalm. And it just goes on and on and on about God's commands Mm -hmm. and about loving God's commands. It calls God's command my food, my joy, my delight. It just goes on and on and on about how much we're called to just live in and adore the command of the Lord because it is so pleasing to his heart for us to be obedient. But not only is it pleasing to his heart, it's also the source of blessing. It's Mm -hmm. the source of um, goodness that he wants to bring into our lives. It's the manual for living a good, fulfilling joyful, peaceful life. And so whenever our pride or the enemy kind of comes in there and says, I know a better way. Or did the Lord really say (laughs) that? That sounds like him in the garden. We're right back in the garden, right? Where we start questioning his commands. Mm -hmm. I mean, because really that's in a way the first commandment, right? The first commandment that ever existed was you shall not eat of that tree. Or you shall die. Well, it didn't go well for us when we broke that commandment. And it won't go well for us when we break the other ones. That's so true. So let's dive into um, number five. Right there in the middle, the middle of it all. You shall not kill. That's right. Shall not kill. Because, you know, going back to that, you know, image of the Garden of Eden... God doesn't like death. He doesn't want death. We weren't made for that. We weren't. And we brought it into existence through our disobedience. And when we perpetuate it through breaking this commandment, when we end lives instead of give life, we are being like the evil one instead of being like the holy one. Yes. Because he's the giver of life. Right. And he said, Jesus says of, of Satan, He's a murderer and he was a murderer from the start. And so, oh, the great deceiver who wants to be like the enemy as a murderer. And, you know, I think this is one of those ones where it can be way too easy to let us all let ourselves off the hook. Right. Because it's so easy to say, I haven't killed anybody. 
I'm not killing anybody. I mean, because it's a pretty, even in this day and age of a culture that is so permissive of so many things, there's very few people that will say, yeah, totally okay to kill somebody. Well, except, yes. <laughs> except when. Let's talk about the, the now. It's so accepted. When it's become more accepted. Is the abortion. The abortion yeah, issue. Killing a baby in the mother's womb. Just unbelievable. Yeah. And the degree to which we have, as, as a culture, as a as a country, as a world, have become so just permissive of this and, and everything is, is really, really sad. Because again, do we desire to be like the giver of life or the destroyer of life? And when we're behaving in a way that snuffs out life, mm. we're acting like the enemy instead of like the Lord. Right. Which, Megan, just kind of leads to one of the points that I know you'll make, but that, that really is, in my mind, the biggest thing that's applicable to you and I on the shall not kill is our words and the way we speak of others. You know, the gossip is a way of killing some human dignity in a person. And that's just as applicable too. So it's like, what are your words like? Are you killing people with your tongue? Yeah. Seriously. That's very I mean, true. Yeah. Just speaking ill, um, even just revealing their personal sin, even if it's correct, you know, is still a way of damaging their, their humanity, their, mm -hmm. their dignity which I think the Lord is really referring to in this at some level too, and not, not kill. Right. I think it, it is all rooted in the dignity of human life. And the, you know, this um, Bible verse is often used as it relates to the abortion issue, but I think that it, it can be generalized to even go beyond that. It's that famous verse from Jeremiah chapter one, where it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And it really does speak to the dignity of a human life and that God knows a person, created a person and has a plan for a person. And so whenever we do things that cause an inability for a person to live out that God-given plan in their lives, or we make it such that it's obscured the beauty and dignity of who they were created to be by God himself, then in a sense we are killing, at least as it can be perceived by those around that person, them as God desired them to be in the world. But I, would, I do want to say before we get too far into the idea of maybe gossip or detraction or whatever as a, um, a means of killing, I don't want to leave the abortion issue. And I will also add euthanasia to that as well. Oh, that's yes, a, that's a sure. more of a newer thing that's catching on. It's not nearly as widespread well, as abortion. Or but how about just lack of treatment? I mean, lack of treatment is an infringement too. Right. Yeah. So just this idea that lives are dispensable yeah. because they're not useful, useful. or not wanted right. is, is a real just hit to the concept that God created human beings with dignity and their purpose doesn't end in his eyes simply because we aren't able to perceive it. But I did want to say that um, as far as it relates to the um, abortion issue, this is something that has really truly been part of the Christian reality since extremely early. So 
this is not something new on, you know, the horizon that all of a sudden, you know, Catholics have gotten pop, you know, really into. Like this is beginnings of Christianity, who we are. And I, I seem to remember, and so I looked it up, that the very early Christian quote-unquote manual called the Didache mm-hmm. talked about the issue of abortion. And, and in fact, it did. It says, thou shall not murder a child by abortion nor kill that which is begotten. So this idea that if we don't respect life from the very beginning, then it's very difficult to maintain a proper respect for life in the rest of the existence of human beings. And so it really is a matter of right from the get-go honoring the human person. And so this idea of emerge the idea that emerges in certain philosophies and political ideas and stuff of seeing a human being as a means to an end or simply a, you know, cog in a wheel or, you know, those kind of things where these sort of communist ideals that take away the idea of the dignity of an individual and makes just kind of puts them as part of a group or, or whatever. Really, I think it starts at its very beginning of dishon- of having a lack of respect for life, even as it begins. So, cause if you disrespect the life in the womb, it's much easier to continue disrespecting the lives that emerge from the womb. Exactly. And I think we have found ourselves in a culture that is steeped in disrespect for, a hu- for the human person and the dignity of the human person and the ways that we treat each other reflect that. I think that is probably one of the deepest rooted problems in the American society today. It's like when I, when, you you know, just being on social media or unfortunately or, or news, you can just see the lack of care or just a respect of the other, that human dignity. So like you have value and worth because you're a person and Mm -hmm. I I may disagree with you, but I love you because you are created by God. Right. That's not around like it used to be. I mean, I feel like the, the, the deceivers just gotten in there with the pride and just really raging its head. And you can just see it so much today. And so my brothers and sisters, we're just really calling, calling on you deeply to, to look at the dignity in the other, whether you like them, agree with them, doesn't matter what that is. They are a creature, the beloved child of God created in his image. And you need to see that first before anything else. Mm-hmm. For sure. And another area that kind of comes to mind that's very much related to it um, is when we hold fast to unforgiveness in our hearts, often what happens in those places is, I'm sure you've heard this phrase, well, they're dead to me. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Right? Like they're dead to me, which basically means because of my anger or unforgiveness or whatever for something that they've done to you or someone you love, like you have decided to not even acknowledge their existence in your life or as being worthy of, you know, engaging with. And so you've killed them in your heart. And so I think yeah. that's a thing that we, we tend not to think about as much. You know, we, we often think thou shall not kill either as an act of, you know, 
violence, violence, yeah. either physical or even verbal. Like, you know how you talked about, like if you really just go out there and start trashing a person verbally and destroy their reputation and things like that, that can be definitely under this um, commandment of, yes, of, yes. of killing, killing a reputation or killing, you know, uh, yeah, opportunities for that person to live out the life that God's called them to. So those are very like active kind of aggressive ways of, you know, being engaged in, in breaking this commandment. But this thing of killing in your heart, a mm. person saying, I refuse to love them. Oof. I refuse to acknowledge them and their dignity. I refuse to face up to the, the fact that I'm harboring unforgiveness towards them. And so in that I have killed them in my heart. And that is a really dangerous place because often we feel so justified. Yeah, of course. But then you have to look at the the model of our Lord who in his mercy just, gosh, you know, looking at Pontius Pilate and the Pharisees and everything. He, he totally forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I see that in the unforgiveness in people too. Like they just have no idea what they're doing and the ramifications on their own soul when a unforgiveness is king. I mean, it just eats them away. Right. And, you know, and, and what if the Lord were to treat us that way? Ugh. Be like, oh, okay, you keep rejecting me. You keep sinning against me. You keep not doing what I asked you to do. You keep hurting my heart time and time and time again. So I will turn my face from you and reject you and you are dead to me. If the Lord, let me tell you this. If the Lord says you're dead to me, guess what? You actually <laughs> die. It's called hell. (laughs) Well, because the only thing that actually sustains anybody in their existence is God acknowledging them. God, he, our existence is dependent on his giving us life. And that's ongoing. If he says you're dead to me, you're dead. And so if God is supposed to be the ultimate example of how we are supposed to engage with others, if Jesus says, no, I say to you, don't forgive seven times, forgive 70 times, seven times that he, when he puts in the prayer of prayers, the, our father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are called to forgiveness. And this idea of you're dead to me is not compatible with either this commandment or the gospel. Right. I challenge that that's a really grave sin. Like when we talk about mortal, definitely a mortal sin right there. So I think that's a place where we, is really important that what we're talking about in these 10 commandments is, is really is that idea of maybe I'm letting myself off the hook a little too easily on some of these because I'm not doing the most egregious, obvious example of what the commandment says. Right, right. Well, you know, Megan, the, it, I have um, some close friends who are in a similar situation that they have been told by, let's just say, I'm making this up, but the parent, you're dead to me, mm, to the kid. Oh, what a wound. Right, right. That's painful. Oh, so much. So, you know, in order to address that type of deep forgiveness, the child should have toward the parent as well, because that's, that's really an incredible mm-hmm. disservice, dishonor um, that you could have. And it, that does exist. So like, what if you're on the opposite side of that one? You know, that, that deep interior forgiveness, I think is really very important, whether it's a parent or 
or maybe a sibling. Right. And well, I think we need to acknowledge that it's hard. Like, and you're probably going to need to help to work through that To You're definitely going to need help from the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. this act of, you know, forgiving grievous sins against us is a grace. It is a grace to be able to forgive a deep injury. But the Lord wants to give us that grace. He doesn't give us commands that we can't live out through his grace. He will never call us to something that's impossible. So when he's clearly called us to something, well, then we can be confident that if we simply open ourselves up to this grace with docility and obedience, it will be there. So I think we need to come to add it that's with trust. Faith. That's right. That's you know, we really do. Comes in. Trust and faith. But I, I would say this. Faith, hope, and love. If somebody is grievously sinning against you, the worst thing you can do for yourself in that situation is to allow their sin to cause you to fall into sin as well. Because then they've punished you twice. They've punished you through the action of their sinfulness towards you and your response in sinning in return. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure you've heard that phrase. And I'm sure we spoke about it when we did the two-part series about forgiveness. But unforgiveness is like a poison that meant for to kill another that you drink yourself. That's right. Right. And so basically most of the time, you know, our unforgiveness hurts us more than anybody else. Uh, no, most all of the time. <laughs> well, sometimes it can be really, really painful if you're in a re- relationship where somebody's refusing to forgive you. And that can really hurt your heart, like yeah. painfully, painfully, you know. Um, but the damage we do to ourselves when we not only engage in the sin of unforgiveness, but are, you know, sort of intractable in it. We were refused to be converted to allow the Lord to do the work in our hearts, to let it go. We just continue to allow that poison to damage our souls. And the damage from that can go much farther, much deeper than whatever happened from the original injury. Yeah. So true. Just like piled on, just like Mm. a multiplication of the injury. Right. And so that even kind of brings myself to the thought of, you know, thou shall not kill. It includes yourself. And so, you know, the most obvious would be suicide. And sa- mm-hmm. sadly, we are, you know, experiencing in, in this day and age an explosion of suicide. And a lot of that has to do with, yes, you know, a lot of pressures on people and this issues of isolation and, and fear and anxiety. And, and yes, there, there is some real serious mental illness that can lead to suicide. But oftentimes the despair of not actually knowing that you're valued, that you're loved, that God has a purpose for you. To not have those things can definitely lend somebody to think that ending their lives would be a good option. So we need to open ourselves up to our own dignity and understand that when we do things to damage ourselves, when we engage in constant acts of self-deprecation, when we allow people to treat us in a way that compromises our dignity over and over again, we're sinning against ourselves under this commandment. It's a a form of self-loathing, self-loathing. Yeah. And it's um, it's sinful to yeah. to do things that damage ourselves too, and so that falls under this as well. Like you know, 
think to yourself, how many people really, really struggle with being super hard on themselves and constantly denigrating themselves within their mind? And, yeah. and, you know, if you really thought to yourself, oh boy, I'm every time I do that, I'm killing a part of myself. I'm killing a part of my trust in the Lord, my understanding, my own dignity of, of that. The Lord does have a plan for me that he did create me with, with love and, and with a purpose. If I devalue that, if I try to, you know, deny that and I'm killing that beautiful plan and within myself and how sad that is. It's so true. I, I love that you're bringing this point up because I think it's, uh, I see it a lot, like in what I do for a living, um, because the perfectionism and the self-loathing of not being perfect is mm-hmm. really a lie that the evil one is is sold a lot of people. And to think that it does go directly back to this commandment, um, to put it in that light, I hope will be helpful to some of our listeners today. Yeah, I do. Wow, I feel like in a short amount of time, we covered a lot of territory. (laughs) (laughs) With God's grace. (laughs) With God's grace. So I don't know. Those are the things that are on my heart. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to bring before we close this? Mm, You know, I think it really, to recap it, would just be the, the recognizing not only the other's human dignity, but your own personal one. I know for me personally, throughout the years, one of the like little turning points for me was just really acknowledging how God lives within me and to love that part. If I had a hard time loving any part of myself, love that part where God dwells within me. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is respecting my own dignity. Um, It was easier for me to, to respect other people's, but for Mm -hmm. my own, it was, it, it took some time. Yeah. But I do find that some, sometimes what can happen is if you do spend the time acknowledging that that the Lord is within you and you really are in touch with that, then you will start to see it more in other people as well. So Amen. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we hope that you'll continue on this journey as we uh, address the next commandment next time. That one's got some stuff in it. Mm. Uh, You know, I'll let you look it up yourself and not give you the teaser, but uh, there's a lot that can be covered in the next one that's relevant to the the age we live in. So uh, that'll just be our little enticement for you to join us for the next podcast. And until then, God bless. Mm.